Hello, and welcome to the Play Practice Formula Podcast. I'm your host, BJ Mumford, owner of Play Practice Basketball and the Seacoast Hoops Lab based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I'm excited to launch this podcast as a platform to share my thoughts, ideas, and frameworks for helping your youth basketball player transform from uncertain participant to decisive competitor. We get results in as little as 30 minutes with our target age group of 10 to 14 year olds that want to play high school basketball. This episode is an introduction to the play practice formula and is going to provide you with an overview of the 10 ingredients I've developed over 18 years of coaching that we've found can produce guaranteed results for that very specific audience. So if your youth basketball player is in that 10 to 14 year old age range, they have two years of playing experience, they love basketball and they want to play high school basketball at a varsity level, or maybe even they want to play college, or if they're 10 years old, they still want to play NBA basketball. We try to connect with that highest level aspirational context of what they want to dream of and connect the dots back to what do we need to do today to take their next step forward. I am standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak, so I have to acknowledge the giants that I have borrowed, stolen, and learned concepts from over the past 18 years. My inspirations and my mentors include a lot of different people uh, that I have met, worked for, studied under, and been mentored by. Uh, The inspirations I start with, I've learned from but never met. Number one would be Phil Jackson, famous for coaching Michael Jordan and later Kobe Bryant. Uh, His peaceful, Zen approach to coaching and being very strategic in creating frameworks that support players to do their best work on the court and not trying to control them. That was a a big uh, inspiration for me, reading a lot of his books, studying his approach. Number two would be John Wooden, just taking his extremely organized scientific approach to coaching, leaving no detail untouched in relation to his players and technical skills and, you know, training, practicing, and again, allowing them to do their thing when they got to games. Uh, One of the highlight stories that stands out to me from reading his books are that he would spend time training players how to put their socks on and tie their shoes appropriately so that they didn't have shoelaces coming undone. They didn't have blisters, you know, that level of intense Attention to detail uh, has really inspired me to take a similar approach with the detailed technical skills and detailed understanding of each player we're working with. And then third, Alan Launder, the author of a book titled Play Practice. He really took a comprehensive approach to all of sports, looking at how to implement methods of designing the environment of practice so that it looked and felt like a game to the player always. So there was very little sense of boring drills happening. Everything was geared toward setting up the environment and having them play through practice to get better at the specific skill he was targeting. Again, great inspiration. What inspired me to call my business Play Practice Basketball was based on reading that book back in 2015, 2016, and I launched Play Practice Basketball in 2018. Uh, mentors that have really taught me everything I know. Um, Kevin Nunley, 
and Mike Hollis of Networks Basketball down in Raleigh, North Carolina. They were my start when I graduated from high school. I was a homeschool student, had very little high quality coaching during my playing career. I started coaching as a volunteer and then found them and their training program doing player development similar to what we do now at Play Practice Basketball. When I was 17, 18 years old, they really took me under their wing. I spent four years really getting to know technical details of basketball from two pretty high-level college coaches, former college coaches by the time I found them, uh, that were doing incredible things with players' technical and tactical skills down in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I grew up. Number two is Ron Ecker. Um, he has a show called Basketball Talk Pro. Website is basketballtalkpro.com and uh, a series of three books called uh, Basketball's Third Element, Improvisation. Uh, he was a former college, longtime college coach and an NBA assistant coach and really mentored me for several years. I was deep into studying all of his concepts and uh, really reinforcing, I guess, what I learned from Alan Launder at a basic level of framework for any sport, Ron Ecker developed into a really holistic system in my mind of how to create a framework that allows players to improvise and read, react, do their best work on the court all the time without being hindered by a coach on the sideline, you know, talking in their ear or them waiting for instructions from that coach, really freeing up and empowering players to do their best play in the game. And then finally, and probably most importantly, is Noah LaRoche of Integrity Hoops, uh, New Hampshire native. He's now gone on to spend about half his year out in L.A. and Las Vegas training NBA and WNBA players at the highest level player development that uh, I've ever experienced. I was able to work alongside him, actually run his youth division of Integrity Hoops when it was still here in New Hampshire and spend a couple of summers out in Los Angeles with him on the court with players like Russell Westbrook and Georges Niang and uh, Paul George. Really uh, incredible experience for me to see the highest level concepts and action in training and uh, you know, be able to bring that back and translate those concepts for our youth players in New Hampshire is really my, my favorite thing to do. Uh, methods that have impacted me. Play practice, I mentioned already, Alan Launder, structuring practice as a game with game realistic constraints that force them into making the right decisions and using the skills as solutions to problems, the best way I've found to describe that. Uh, principled offense and constraint-based coaching, uh, what Noah LaRoche now calls cognition coaching, uh, which I'm a big fan of, what he's doing and developing on that front with uh, high school, college, NBA coaches trying to start with universal principles of basketball and then use constraints to really funnel players into correct decision making and you know measure that with custom metrics and you know evolve that as a whole training philosophy and training approach uh, he's really got a lot going on on that front and you know I'm lucky to have taken some chunks of that and be uh, you know still be in touch and around what he has going on having a cohesive system 
coming from Ron Ecker, that was one of his core things was to make everything fit together. What most coaches end up with is a lot of disparate parts they pulled off of YouTube and past coaches and one season when they had this one kind of player and they mishmash all that together and hope it makes sense to their players' brains. And it rarely does. Ron Ecker was all about trimming the tree, trimming the dead branches, getting everything to fit together so that the player has zero contradictions in their mind about what is expected of them and what is the right action, allowing them an incredible level of efficiency and, again, freeing them up to play improvisationally based on what the defense gives them. And then finally, maybe most importantly, again, the method of TAG Teach. Uh, TAG is an acronym for Teaching with Acoustical Guidance. And really, it's the communication shortcut that has transformed my coaching more than anything else, boiling all instructions down to five words or less, and then giving instantaneous positive feedback when they do it correctly. And by focusing on just that, ignoring all of the aspects of telling them what they did wrong, telling them what not to do, we erase a majority of what coaches spend their time talking about. And Tag Teach allows us to laser focus player and coach on a single thing at a time, get that piece done, and then step them forward. And we are able to build a skyscraper of skill pieces one little chunk at a time by doing that without ever contradicting or having to explain stuff that we really don't need to be talking about. And so just efficiency of communication, I call it a communication shortcut. Uh, it's been fantastic for everything from our kindergarten up to our college players to be able to focus their attention on one thing at a time and produce really quick results in mastering a small piece of a skill and now evolving that to coaching and giving feedback on decision making with team skills, concepts, you know, complicated factors that are hard to measure, boiling that down to five word or less instructions and instant feedback when they get it right is really one of the most powerful tools that uh, I've ever experienced and continue to uh, try to improve on and now mandate that all of my staff, all of my coaches are certified in Tag Teach as they come on board to be one of our coaches. So all of these have really contributed immensely to my development as a coach and more than anything, contributed to that continued striving and progressing and wanting to improve my thinking of how to bring players results as effectively and as quickly as possible. So my goal for this episode was to provide an overview of the framework we use, what I am going to call the play practice formula made up of 10 ingredients. So we have the, the Seacoast Hoops Lab, which we bought only uh, just over a year ago now, uh, was created by another owner. We actually bought out their business, but the idea of a chemistry experiment type lab that we are doing our research development, player development inside of really resonated with what we had already called our play practice formula. And so I decided to call these different aspects of the framework we use, the techniques, concepts, principles we use, the ingredients. So we're going to take a deep dive in the next few episodes on each of these 10 on their own to really flesh out what each of these mean to us and how we're using them. 
But today I wanted to just go through the list of 10 ingredients, kind of give you a snapshot, a perception, an overview of what is involved in our method of training. What does the play practice basketball formula look like? And what are these 10 ingredients that kind of get us there? So let's start with number one, player-centered focus. So I consider most coaching across all sports from my perspective, though most of my experience is just in basketball, most coaches are focused on making it easy for themselves. They talk about, you know, I'm here for the players. It's all about the players, but you watch their practice. They structure practice to be better for them, to control the chaos and make them feel comfortable and give them a sense of authority, power, and control. And we're kind of going completely counterculture with what we do a player-centered focus is we spend time with each player figuring out where they are, what they need, and then what the next step is for them, not what the next step is in Coach BJ's brain based on my very wealthy experience. I know a player should be XYZ by age ABC. We scrap all that and say, where are you? Where do you want to go? And what's the next step for you? Number two, peaceful instead of punishing. So this is another big countercultural transition, transformation that I hope to propagate out into the world, changing coaches' mindset from instead of punishing mistakes, we are going for what the player needs and peacefully instructing them, asking them, giving them high expectations for the correct action. And tying back to the tag teach, I mentioned this really involves simple focused instructions and instant feedback to make sure that they are moving forward and we are approaching them as their guide, as their mentor, which we'll talk about here in a second. But instead of you got to run sprints if you mess it up, it's like let's break down and give you the pieces you need so that you can make that layup instead of running sprints every time you miss a layup, which really does nothing but waste our time and defeat the player's willingness and motivation to practice. Number three is positive expectations. Uh, I like to say high expectations with unlimited attempts. So we don't dumb things down for a beginner player. We show them this is the bar. This is the expectation we have, but you have an infinite amount of time and an unlimited number of attempts to get there. And we're going to break it down to step one of a hundred to get you to making a layup, potentially. Maybe it's just 10 steps if you're a pretty advanced player. Maybe it's only three steps. If you're already in good action, we can tweak some things. But the positive expectation is there the same for everybody. Like made layups with good technique that are consistent, you can make every time, is there. We expect you to get there. We know we can get you there. And we're going to allow you to relax a little bit by giving you unlimited attempts to accomplish that. Number four is principles over plays. And this comes from uh, Noah Roach and Ron Ecker's inspiration. You know, instead of scripted patterns that are what most coaches spend their time on, we're going to run this offensive set inbound play. And we expect you to execute it like an NFL team perfection so that ball and player arrive and we score. And instead of that, what we spend our time in is the universal principles of basketball. So for offense, one of my favorite ones is drive and kick the circle concept, 
getting players to move the same direction on the perimeter as the player dribbling. So one player attacks the basket with their right hand. All the other four players on the three-point line are moving to the right in a circle around the basket. One of the simplest things we can do on offense that is universally applicable to any offensive system and magically and dramatically transforms the player's ability to get open and create space for each other. That would be an example of principles versus when I dribble right at this player, player A does this, player B does that, player C does this. They all screen for each other, and we hope we're going to get the ball to player F at the time he needs to score. Great in theory, hardly ever works in a game. And so we really shortcut everything by allowing the players to get comfortable with principles that they can universalize and use as a framework to improvise in any game, in any system, for any coach they play for in the future has dramatic results. And uh, one of my favorite things to spend time on. Number five is precision instructions and feedback. I like to say actually concise instructions and precision feedback. As the shorter you get your instructions to focus their attention, the easier it is to then give precise feedback when they do that. If you've got vague instructions, where again, most coaches spend their time, I'm going to vaguely describe this huge complex thing, and then I'm going to tell you what you did wrong. Instead of, I'm going to say, right knee above hip when I'm shooting a layup, and I'm going to say, yes when the player does that. That's it. That is precision instructions and precise feedback. Concise instructions and precise feedback. I might change that in my notes so that I say that consistently going forward. Number six is persistence. And this is something we have as a core value for our staff and our coaches and something we try to create as an example for players. We are very persistent, like I said, with unlimited attempts. We're the last to get frustrated with a player. We are going to persist in coaching them, breaking it down, simplifying it, explaining it different ways, demonstrating it multiple times until they get it right. And we allow players to develop the skill of persistence by seeing a coach as an example of that and really setting them up and supporting them to be more persistent. If they're not already, we're going to develop that skill in them over time. They are persistent until they reach that objective. Number seven is perpetual learning. We are not a fan of the arrival syndromes, kind of the opposite of this. We want coaches that are willing to learn. Like We are countercultural opposite the standard practices of most of sports coaching. So we're not willing to hire just anyone. We want someone that is actively willing, able to learn and continue learning on a perpetual basis. And again, modeling that, I try to model that with learning new things and from different coaches and a lot of different aspects. We require that of our staff to have onboard ongoing training and education. And we expect that of our players that when you get to sophomore high school and you made the varsity team, you're not done. We expect you to continue perpetually learning and progressing because it's a lifelong skill that we want you to have. Uh, number eight is patience. Um, kind of going back to persistence, similar but different. We emulate, we demonstrate patience with the hope that players will eventually emulate 
more patience for themselves and for others. So kind of a personality trait of mine that I've tried to develop in our staff and again in our players, just being the most patient person in the gym, where most coaches are the least patient person in the gym and are blowing up, yelling at players, punishing players, wasting everybody's time because they're having a tantrum. I want to be the most patient person in the gym. I want to diffuse the impatient self-criticism you know, kicking yourself for missing a shot that most players have developed by being around coaches or parents that are critical of them for making mistakes. I want to allow infinite patience and make it okay. Like, yeah, you just airballed that shot. That's okay. Here's what we're working on. Here's where to focus your attention. Yes, you did it. You got your elbow to eyebrow to shot. I don't care that it airballed. We are working on elbow to eyebrow right now. And, uh, you know, tying together that patience with persistence, with unlimited attempts and high expectations really allows a player, again, to relax over time and be okay with working out the kinks is how I like to describe it. We're in a closed gym one-on-one. It's okay to dribble off your foot. It's okay to airball shots. It's okay to do wild, crazy things. Your body is dramatically in awkward positions and rhythms and whatever as we calibrate and improve toward what we're working on. I have patience for all of that. We really develop that mindset and that require that approach with our coaching staff, even with our admin staff. We're going to be patient with our other team members. We're going to be patient with our clients on the phone that might not understand what we're talking about, what we're trying to get done initially. We're going to have patience on all fronts and allow whoever we're working with to take their time needed to progress to that next step. Number nine is personal mentorship. Uh, And this ties back to that player centered approach. But one of them, one of my favorite ways to describe this is uh, being a guide and working alongside a player. So where most coach player relationships are very much, you know, authority figure and student We are coming in to align with you based on where you are, what you want to achieve, and what your needs are to take that next step. We want to be your partner working alongside you, applying whatever experience we have that's relevant to where you're at and what you need, but being that mentor working alongside you to help you take your next step instead of pontificating about what we know or yelling at you and trying to push you forward. We're there, maybe a half step ahead of you, right on your side, pulling you along and allowing you to take whatever that next small step is for you. And finally, number 10 is playable. And again, just efficiency of coaching for results. For me, one of the best things that I've arrived at through mentors and a lot of experience is making everything playable, meaning we don't do anything on the court that you would not do in a game. If the game was live right now, you should be able to see where this fits and how it's useful and be able to practice it accordingly. One of the things we talk about a lot, and we'll talk about more on the episode devoted to playability, is the idea of skills downstream from decisions. So where most coaches, again, trainers spend their time on isolated skills with no decisions attached, or five-on-five scripted pattern offense with no decisions attached. We spend our time on here's the game situation based on teammates, defense, 
maybe time on the clock even. Here's what your decisions are, your options are. And based on decision A or B, here are the skills that go with that decision that fit in that game context. And basically, here is a solution to the problem that we are experiencing based on that situational decision-making framework. And, uh, you know, where a lot of time is wasted on dribbling around cones with your eyes down and then being yelled at because your eyes are down when you're playing in a game, we don't do anything on the court that's not directly relatable to the game situation so that the player is not going through the motions because coach said to go through the motions of this drill. The player is recognizing, oh, I've seen this game situation before. I was there last week in a tournament. Oh, these are my options. I actually don't need to worry about this one over here or that one over there. It's like these two are the best two options. And now I'm really motivated to go work on that skill solution to that specific problem. And we find players instantly get out in their driveway motivated to practice on their own because they have that context of playability in their head. They're working on a skill inside of something that's useful instead of doing it because coach said so, or because dad said so, or because, you know, it's generally a thing to pound the air out of the ball and grind on the court. And we're not doing it because of that. We're doing it because it's a useful, valuable tool. And now I see the value of getting better at that tool. So that's the list of 10 ingredients. I'm really excited about kicking off this podcast and the next 10 episodes, diving deep on each of those. Hopefully you got a good framework look at uh, all that's involved with our 10 ingredients. And then going forward, just sharing thoughts, sharing experiences, sharing stories, potentially some client interviews as we go forward. Just talking about how this works, what the play practice basketball formula is and how we're using it every day to get results in 30 minutes or less for that 10 to 14 year old player that wants to play high school basketball. They need help connecting the dots. That's what we're here for. So if that describes your player, hopefully you'll continue listening. Reach out to us at info at playpracticebasketball.com or you can give us a call at 603-932-5893. That's it. I'll see you on the court.